0: Better
1: pets. Jay, good morning. What's up? Good morning, Manish. What's up? How are you?
0: Good, good. Just had a workout, so super excited to have a cracker of
1: a day. Always a good start to the day.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what are we going to
1: cover today, Jay? What's, what's on the roster for today? So, today we're going to be covering when to buy. So, we spoke a little on asset allocation in the previous recording. So, we thought. Okay transitioning into when to buy when to sell would be ideal and a little on the mindset so why to buy why to sell and i think that would be a good transition from from last recording's topic on asset allocation and going into putting that theme into practice really okay okay cool i guess because
0: that's also a question that that bothers quite a few people, which is when to buy, when to sell, how long to hold, is long term debt. Like there are so many, so much confusion around around these two questions for people. So it'll be interesting exactly. to cover these.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And and a lot of behavioural aspect come into play also, which we which we get into in terms of when to sell, when to buy, how some personal stories in terms of within the job I do how i see behavioral mistakes kind of happening in in front of me you know uh, yeah. so i'm excited to to get started
0: super super so cool. i guess i guess let's maybe take it from you know when to buy because that is fundamental question to begin your investment process technically and, and and you know there might be traders listening to this podcast, there might be long-term investors listening to this podcast or there might be people who have a targeted goal for which you're investing and maybe you're listening to the podcast so we we would cover this question, when to buy for all three of you and and I guess, you know, we'll we'll begin with the, the long-term investing bit because Jay and I do a lot of investments for long-term, we both don't do Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, we both do, don't do short-term trading which is a whole different
1: beast. Yeah. Absolutely. But to that point also, in, in terms of, while I don't do short-term trading, part of my job is to is to invest in equities, in single equities. We invest in single equities with a long-term view, right? But say, for instance, if, if the long-term view has been, if we buy Apple, hypothetically, even though we we wouldn't because we're Middle Eastern equity managers. Right. But if we buy mm-hmm. Apple as an example, if it reaches the target price or, or what we thought it would get to, right. should we sell? So that kind of, is it's important to cover that aspect to, even though we spoke on broad-based, index-based investing, in the in the right. last session, transitioning that into singular stock picking or singular bond picking then becomes a completely different topic of choice, because now right. you're talking about okay, I've bought this stock. I know Manish, you mentioned Reliance, for instance. You are dollar cost averaging into Reliance, but right. there could be an investor who's just thought Reliance is a good. This is a good price to buy Reliance at, and. This is a good price to sell reliance at. So there's right. many ways of thinking when to buy, when to sell, and, and that complete that completely depends on your portfolio. So what are you holding? How are you investing? What is your goal when it comes to investing? And and yeah, th- so, that decision essentially drives when to buy and when to sell and why to buy and where to sell. So so I'll tell you what, I'll
0: I'll just share my perspective on reliance, all right. Now when I look at reliance all right with the biggest uh, refinery business with the biggest telecom business now investing heavily on data and business around data network effect with the geo platform turning into so many different businesses and and, then they have a massive network which technically can be monetized but it's very difficult to understand that business okay and and if, if i try to read the whole annual report it is it is a monster in its own and it is beyond my pay grade to even break it down and understand the unit economics of everything that's going to happen in different businesses but i just thought if i'm betting on india being an indian i'm comfortable with the country the growth rate is pretty attractive to look at the population is there the infrastructure the story for the infrastructure growth is also there going forward and that is why i i have because I can't dissect the business whether it's the right time, okay? So, I just put it on dollar cost. I have a certain amount that debits my account every month. And I plan to do it for the next 20 years. My my, my stock trading platform allows me 120 months of uh, purchases. So, that's technically 10 years. But the way I see about Reliance, maybe I'll, I'll continue that process even after I finish 10 years. Because... And I have no time. So, so guys, this is just covering dollar cost averaging potential for a long-term investor. So, with Reliance, you know, I'm I'm just doing it over a period of 10, 20 years. I'm not even worried about what's happening with the market right now, and I'll just do it for next 20 years. And my it's a bet on India, and Reliance is a good bet, I feel. So, so that is how I'm going about it, confident about the fact it will earn me decent. Amount of money, like the way I'm seeing it, even if I was to make 10% per annum compounded over this period of 20 plus years, I'd be happy, man.
1: That's an amazing return.
0: Yeah, what's your take on dollar cost aver- averaging? Jay? If you do it or, or if you see it as a sensible strategy,
1: absolutely. I mean, dollar cost averaging allows you to avoid this question of when, okay, because when you dollar cost average. You, you have that discipline. So you're saying, okay, every month, 1,000 dirhams is going to go out of my account. And in your case, let's buy Reliance shares. But in my case, for instance, if I was doing a 60-40 portfolio, 60% global equities, 40% global bonds, my 1,000 dirhams today buys me 60% and 40%. Tomorrow, when equities rally, It allows me to stay disciplined because I'll be buying more bonds and buying less equities so that my portfolio is automatically rebalanced. By doing that, it allows me to stay disciplined and it allows me to not think too much of the markets moving up and down i'm not uh, i'm not swayed by a, f- a 3% drop or a 4% drop i'm not thinking that a lot of investors have this mentality that oh it's 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 up 20% this week let's wait it will fall that's a big mistake i see in a lot of investors because you can never time the market right, right. and there's always this saying that money in the market is better than money out of the market. So regardless, it's it's the case of if if we took the 2020 as an example, right? You have hmm. the March dip, the March crash that happened, and you saw the panic over there. You saw a bunch of investors sell out of their positions in March, which
0: caused Which is the worst time up, to get out. Yeah.
1: Which is the worst time to get out, right? So you had that massive dip, and had you held Instead of selling in March, had you held in March, you would have been greater than your position in March. Come today, going into right. March 2021, you would have been higher into your position. Now you can always say, you know, I sold early in the March, and then I and then I bought back at the dip. Very few people can actually time that perfectly.
0: No, even but- Warren Buffet, J. Jay- did a mistake of selling airline stock at the lowest possible price and four months later those stocks had appreciated you know more than 50 to 75%. So even even a guy like Warren Buffet can't time it.
1: we are just still mortal investors. Warren Buffet is a legend. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I mean even within within our in-house strategy at work, you know, there's some regulatory limits that kind of help because there could only be ten percent sort of limit down limit. So if, it, if if the market goes down by five or ten percent, the there's a circuit breaker introduced, which is a is a is a thing that happens in in some markets in the world. But right. that inefficiency, if you may call it that, allowed us to kind of think a little more as to what we have to do. But in the yep. US, there was no time to think. Time to think was was. A, a matter of a day. So, in a day, fund managers had to decide what are we doing with every sector? What are we doing with each stock, et cetera, et cetera? Should we sell this? Should we buy this? And I'll tell you, just going into this topic itself, when the March dip happened and coronavirus became a phenomenon, when we were looking at the holdings of our fund, for instance, it was extremely qualitative based. Now, what I'm saying is we did a ranking between the 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 four members of the team we said okay on a on a scale of one to five this is the holding let's say a gym in saudi gym in saudi what is the one to five rating of it being affected by by the coronavirus so if it was a five that means extremely affected so any stocks that were closer to the five we sold off and we rotated into any stocks that we that were closer to the one and bought bought into those. So that was a very qualitative strategy that we that actually helped us. But again, we but, did that. But very this is only
0: possible day. but I guess yeah, this is also possible because you have the resources and the intellect, alright, to be able to play this game. But I guess dollar cost averaging allows you allows an investor not to not to have a you know uh, neck deep Intellectual capital for understanding what's happening in the market, I, I guess that's why dollar cost averaging would help a person instead of going through this emotional
1: ride that
0: a market can put you through.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Dollar cost averaging is is basically the the best strategy in terms of avoiding the market stress. You really will not be avoiding the market stress. You really will be avoiding the market stress because, say, for instance, you get into the 60 40 portfolio that i told you equities right. would have would have crashed right but bonds or if you've allocated to gold for instance would have still held up so your overall right. portfolio is not going to just fall 20 percent right? right and in the next month assuming you still you know hopefully you still have your job you're still putting money into this portfolio that you're buying at the dips, you're buying it as it rises. So dollar cost averaging just means that you're buying more, and that's an excellent strategy. Which which works out, which which works it, out
0: exactly. in the long run. You're buying cheap.
1: Exactly, it just works out in the long run. And 10, 20 years, you know, you may have lost ten percent this year, but the next year you'll be up twenty percent. So being in the time in the market, like we said, is much better than time out of the market. And never try to time the market.
0: Absolutely, like like you know, timing the market is is a game for many people, but but definitely we don't do it. But I want to definitely point one thing out over here. When you do dollar cost averaging, also question in in listeners' mind would be that do I do it on a stock? Do I do it on a on a on a on an index? All right, or do it? Do I do it on an actively traded ETF? You could do it on all three, but understand one thing that doing it on an index is the safest option for you if you do not have a, a lot of work and research put in into understanding why are you taking a particular position. Now, no matter how much amount of work I've put into understanding Reliance, it still is beyond my pay grade. But I still uh, am, am comfortable taking that risk and, and that is why I chose Reliance. i got other stocks also that I do dollar cost averaging within India, but but I'm comfortable with those names. All right, but if you do not have that kind of a research put in behind those things, or you do not understand their business models, I would suggest look at an index to begin the whole process, and eventually maybe you can gain more understanding of what all you could do dollar cost averaging with, and maybe then choose maybe active traded ETF or then a individual stock. But comes down comes down to that decision also when you start buying for long term through this accumulation method.
1: Absolutely, absolutely agree with that.
0: All right. Now, now since since we we're speaking on the when to buy bit, all right. What about long term buy, which is not accumulation based, but let's say someone wants to buy. Let's say someone has a good chunk of an asset, amount of money basically, and you're looking at looking at entering into the market. So, so what would you wanna say on when to buy? When you do have to execute, okay. When do you execute the buy transaction?
1: So again, it comes down to key differences. The first difference is whether you're buying an index or whether you're buying a single asset such as a single equity right whether you're buying an apple stock or whether you're buying the s&p 500 holistically the the difference is with an apple stock right after you've done your research you come up with what you think is you should not be buying an apple stock unless you have you know a, a belief like manish does about reliance that it's 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 basically a bet on india you should not be buying apple stock unless you've done your in-depth research and you figured out what the fair value of apple is going to be so you you what you're doing with that is this multiple ways to value a company but you figure out what apple's fair value is and then you can t- try to time your purchase to that fair value so you're saying okay Apple should actually be worth $150 per share. Today it's worth $120 per share. Let's buy it. But say for instance, if Apple is worth, if 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 you have figured out Apple is worth one $150 and today it's already $160, right? Then you say, okay, I'm not gonna buy Apple now. I'm gonna wait for it to come down to $120 or $125 and then buy it because it's worth about $150. So I'll have my upside. On that note, I would also personally say avoid shorting it. Because at 160, right, there's a there's a key question in your head. Oh, I think this company should only be worth 150. Today it's 160. Why don't I short it and make that difference? But shorting is a very dangerous game because that's a whole other discussion. Your upside is when the stock goes down. But your downside is unlimited. So you can keep being wrong for a very long time. And it just goes against the logic of the market. Equities or any index globally, If you just think about what is a market, what is a stock market. It's the global economy. So by shorting a stock, you're basically betting in the long term that the global economy will just keep shrinking, which is not ever going to happen, right? So. It's just a very mentally wrong strategy, in my opinion. And a lot of people who are even correct about shorting stocks burn their hands because of time. You look at GameStop, for instance, as a great example, right? It was heavily shorted as a stock. But what happened? It went all the way up to $370, when really the fair value of GameStop is about, let's say, $40. So it made sense for a lot of people to short the stock at 70. You know it's worth only 40. But what happens? Because it's such a small company, it got short squeezed all the way up to 370. Suddenly, your $70 position is now losing you four times the amount. Whereas if you bought the stock at, let's say you bought the stock at, at, at 70, it went down, even if it goes to zero, your maximum loss. Is seventy dollars, but when you short it, your maximum loss is unlimited, and and that's what all of these hedge funds, you have the likes of Melbourne Capital, losing billions and millions of dollars because yeah,
0: I mean people who have shorted Tesla have lost billions of dollars. You know? Exactly.
1: There's a, if you if you think that a company is not worth so that's an excellent example, right? My my boss and I and my team. <laughs> Every day, the after-work discussion is, is Tesla overvalued or undervalued? And we all have our differences of opinion. Personally, I believe that Tesla is an excellent company. It's a great company. It's going to change the world. But the valuation of Tesla is not warranted. So even though I've not done my in-depth research on, on simple multiples, I can say that, for instance, the market value of the car, market value per car is ludicrous. Right, you're paying a million dollars. It's a, mil- it's a million
0: dollars. And you know, it's it was such a funny, it's a funny Twitter tweet I saw yesterday. It said BYD, the Chinese company in which Warren Buffett is invested, is trading at 200 times PE and Tesla is at 1000 uh, times PE. So does it make BYD a deep value buy? It was so funny because it was valued on PE basis one-fifth of Tesla. Alright, so guys. You know, just a side note I want to give on this whole discussion. If you do understand what buying and selling an individual entity means, you really need to understand fair value and intrinsic value. And, and uh, you know, these concepts are technical. But sometimes people buy these things all that right, because it's convenient for you. Convenient for you doesn't mean you understand what you're buying. Just because these apps make it convenient, you know, buy what you understand because if you don't understand you could you could literally get wiped out like what's happened in the last one week many stocks have lost 20-30 percent of their uh you know values and if you do not have an
1: understanding
0: of what the business is all right you you really would get unnerved and may get emotionally triggered to do a sell decision and even losing 30 percent why you, you, you don't need to play the investment game in a risky way in this manner. Either understand the business, then get in. Or if you do not understand it, or let like, then maybe as you spoke in the last session about asset allocation, buy. Then you can just, you know, you have a huge chunk split it between 60%, 40% bond equity, equity bond portfolio. Okay. Uh, and then enter, you know, then you won't have to break your head on what the market does. But if you're ever thinking of buying direct equities, be willing to do the, be willing to pay the price to do the research or, or understand the business
1: exactly. And I I just wanted to speak a little bit just on the on the why to buy part and right. when it comes to single stock investing. So for for me as as someone who does this as a full time job, I follow four step process and I think this four step process can apply to to everybody. But I want to tell I I, I want to talk on on what I how I see the market or retail investors in, in, in US and where they are in the four-step process. So the first step yeah. is, I think of what is a good company. Just period, right? What is a great company? I use, that comes down to, I use a lot of Apple products or I, maybe App, Apple's a great company, right? I think, okay, Apple's going to do well for the next five years. I Almost everybody around me has an iPhone. It's a great company. Cool. So I figured I want to buy Apple. The second step, is the valuation of Apple? So figuring out what is their income statement, cash flow, balance sheet. What's happened in the last five to ten years? Using the history to figure out what sort of assumptions I need to have in order for me to forecast the future. Right. So what is really gonna drive the business in the next five years, and how will each and every how will each each and every nuance within that affect my model? And then, you know, the third and fourth step is to figure out, okay, because it's my job, I I have the ability to be talking to management. But in Apple's case, for instance, Tim Cook, you're looking at a keynote, you're looking at what he's saying for the future of Apple. You have to incorporate that into your model and your assumptions for the next five years. And the fourth point is you figure out what the target price is. So this is a four-step process that is very in-depth that i follow But where I see... Retail Investors in America Act is the first step. They've thought only of the first step and they've not moved on to the second step. They've only thought of... It's
0: it's, it's, it's all feeling-based. Oh, the company is great. I use the product. I like it. I'll buy it.
1: Exactly. So that's what I'm saying, right? Tesla, I think it's a great company. It's going to change the world. Its electric vehicles are so, like, So it's such a nascent industry. You're starting with such a small base. It's going to change the world, right? As we run out of coal or fuel and we run out of sources of energy, It's it's a great story. But nobody has thought of the second part, which is what we were talking about, the market value per car, PE multiples you're paying for Tesla, and
0: guys, guys but, just, um, just for you all to, just Jay one extension just in case you are you are trying to understand what try what Jay tried to tries to mean by market value per car. He's trying to say that for for Tesla to have this valuation that it has currently, it has to sell its car at a million dollars. To make money on the profit margin that they have so that eventually this pricing makes sense. No car can be sold at a million dollars unless maybe it's gold plated or, or, or some ten pieces available only in the whole world, like some Ferraris and Bugattis, all right. But he's and making get, a commercial car for the public.
1: Exactly. And 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 to to contrast that, you have GM for instance, which is a more rational number to make sense of this metric. It's eight to ten thousand dollars of market value per car that makes sense Yeah. because, yeah, because and seven percent okay. margin and seven to eight
0: percent margin on every car that's that's the it, max margin these guys
1: hit exactly. So, so the if, if GM is eight to ten thousand dollars per car, okay, if Tesla is going to change the world, cool, cool double it, fine. If, if GM is eight to ten, maybe Tesla should be 20, 30, 50. But a million dollars is is a lot, right? How much can it change the world? There's a lot that for you to make sense of this valuation, you're essentially trying to say that Tesla is gonna 20x its production in the next five years. It's basically gonna become, you know, people on YouTube I've watched trying to tell me that Tesla's or trying to tell the world that Tesla's fairly valued or it's a, it's still a good buy. It's thinking, with an Excel file, oh, well, you I can, can make any story, man. Excel quiet can make any narrative come true. They are they have taken all sorts of all sorts of themes that they have Elon Musk has never said that he wants to do any of this, but they've just assumed that the whole world is gonna use Tesla as taxis and taxi drivers are gonna become no more because driverless cars are the future. That is a seriously large assumption to buy into. Right? You can like the story how much ever you want. But if investors are buying into the fact that driverless cars are going to become the future and taxis are going to become no more globally in the world, for the world's population, it could be a great story. You're sitting in America and thinking about this. The guy in India who's still driving auto rickshaws is very, very far away from this, this story. Absolutely.
0: So guys, you know, if,
1: if you're willing to
0: do the valuation, you'll be able to make sense of numbers which is when you'll be able to take a rational decision. But if you're not willing to do valuation, you can still buy Tesla, no problem. But then buy it, being very clear of the fact that I am betting on the company, I'm betting on Tesla, and it's 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 an emotional bet. It's got nothing to do with numbers. And I'm confident about his ability to deliver. Great, if he delivers, good. Good for the whole world and good for your portfolio. But if you don't land up making money on it, then be... Then be also cognizant of the fact that you you'll also have to take the pain of the monetary loss you will suffer because it was a bet you made and you are very clear that it's a it's a bet which is all feeling based which has nothing to do with numbers which is what ninety percent of people betting on Tesla would be doing the the most most qualified investors I would say are, are, are they they love the company we all love company we love the cars we love the company we love the genius that are running the company but we also hesitate to buy it at this price because it doesn't make any sense financially so so both kind of investors are there both kind of investors can make money all right but but when to buy requires this kind of understanding of a particular business all right so Uh, if you don't understand go go index if equity is what you're looking at Uh, if you're looking at the whole portfolio then have your lazy boy portfolio, 60-40 portfolio, but you can
1: always enter the market. Uh... And what I, what I kind of tell people who are beginning investing, I say, let's say you have a 60-40 portfolio, but you still have these few companies that you that you think are going to change the world. Dollar cost average into them. So out of your 60% equities, take a chunk of 15 or 20%, and that 15 or 20% is your own equities that you've picked. So let's say some people love Palantir as a company, it's big data. Some people love Tesla. Some people love Airbnb. You know, these are all stocks that that are that have good stories, right? And if you like these stories, even if you've not done your in-depth research, right? And you just like the idea, cool. Put 15 to 20%. Not more than that, in my opinion, because this is your nest for the future, right? And you don't want to be concentrating your wealth of the future into single stock positions. So this is just 15 to 20% in your beliefs. 80% leave it to the index, leave it to the market to decide the future. And realize that the 80% is only going to half in value if the global economy halves in value. So you're only becoming, you're on a relative basis, if you think about it, you're actually not becoming poorer because the entire world has gotten poorer along with you, right? So think from that perspective. Think of your investing portfolio as a nest for, your, for the future. You want to retire comfortably. You're tired of your day job. And this is the best way to go about. It. Yeah, or,
0: or, or, you know, you could choose, if not a stock, you could choose an ETF or a fund, which even makes it safer. In case you don't want to, like Airbnb, or in case you don't want to research on a company, like the theme, okay? Like like there's one art ETF, which I'm dollar cost averaging. Uh, it's a very aggressive, active ETF manager. And, you know, it's 15% down in the last one week alone. But, I'm bullish on the companies they have in their portfolio, beyond my pay grade to analyze all of these companies, like the genomics companies, if you look at genome. You know. But point is, I'm bullish on on the, on the disruptive technologies coming in the healthcare space, like the COVID technology, the vaccination that all of us have gone through. There's a lot of work happening in this area. I don't understand the technology, but I understand the work being done behind it, and I'm accumulating it. So you could choose an ETF, you could choose a stock, but dollar cost averaging works. But you know, when you go lump sum, understand you could literally lose fifteen to twenty percent in a week's time and you might panic. So if you're going lump sum, the safer a portfolio is a better choice to make.
1: Absolutely. Agree.
0: I, I just wanna I just wanna complete one part of it there, which is if you're a trader and you're if you're looking at buying when to buy, then have a target price for when to sell also because a trader mentality basically means you're not going to have the stomach to bear a 30% drop down or go through a period of 2-3 years of no performance because that's what sometimes can happen in the market. Microsoft did not go anywhere for 15 years. From 2000 to 2015, Microsoft did not give any return. So, a huge chunk of its return has come from 2015 to 2021. and that, That's what long-term investors can deal with. Traders cannot. So, if you're a trader mentality, and if you've entered Airbnb stock for that matter, have a target price in mind so that when it hits it, you sell or have a have a stop loss in mind so that when you hit it, you sell. But enter only if you have an exit price in mind, if you're a trader. Because many times you might enter a market because you're bullish or because interest rates are low. I'm optimistic on this company. It's gone. Oh, great. Go in. But then what if it goes 50% down, you, you you know, you might you might regret the fact that you should have exited earlier. That's why if you're a trader, not having the stomach to hold long-term, have a target price to exit, whether at a profit or at a loss.
1: What's it, Jay? Absolutely. Very well said. Very well said, Manish.
0: Okay. So, since Jay and I don't do much of trading, so we won't be able to talk much on it. But, but let's talk about when to sell bit, right? Jay, you were referring to that bit, right?
1: Absolutely, exactly. So when to sell in the context of the two kind of types of investors who are both long-term-esque, right? You have the you have the passive who are going into the index-based funds. You have the active who go into singular stocks or the likes. When to sell or why to sell becomes a very, very key question.
0: And guys, it's a very tough question uh, you know i was just listening to i was just sharing with jay also i was listening to charlie manger who's a billionaire uh also partner of warren Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, and he he was asked when does he plan to sell his stake in byd which has appreciated from 250 million dollars to seven billion dollars and he said i'm 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 still learning you know the mechanism to sell or when to sell you know he said that's such such a funny thing jay he said that I have rarely held positions which have gone up this much in such a short span of time. But he exactly. said that if I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with the management and the story behind it, I might still be flexible enough to hold it for a much longer time. All right? So, so when to sell is a very tricky decision, but it can be handled depending on 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 your objective. But but yeah, you wanna you wanna share on the long long term when to sell bit.
1: Right. So the. Really, the when to sell, if you're a passive investor should be never. <laughs> if you think about it, right? Because your this is your nest for the future. The question of when to sell becomes something that you're thinking about in 20 to 25 years, right? Unless, unless within the realm of passive investing, you have multiple avenues to invest in many different indexes. Like Manish mentioned, you have an arc ETF, which is which is an active tech-based ETF. Now, say, for instance, you want to invest in this ETF. You can't just pull out money from anywhere from the sky and put it into this ETF. It requires you to sell something in your portfolio in order to buy this ETF, right? So then the decision has to be made as to what am I supposed to sell and why am I selling And that's the key. So when you're... when what i always tell investors that begin investing i say you start off with a 60 40 then as you make more educated decisions you taper down the 60 or the 40 the 40 is is bonds but if you have a decision on interest rates or uh, opinion on interest rates feel free to t- to tweak the 40s also but start with the 60 then the 60 is global equities you can see the top holdings of this global equity etf now you you can say okay jay for instance if i'm talking to myself jay let me sell 20% of the of my equity portion which is global equities and i think that indian equities will do better than global equity right so then that decision to sell happens where you're saying okay this year or at least for the fi- for the next 5 years i don't want to be invested in the entire equity market i think india will do better than the equity market globally so you're saying okay let me sell 20 percent of the global let me buy 20 percent india right that's a decision that has to be created that is the only time you should be selling or thinking about selling as a long-term investor now the story is is very different if you're single stock picking because if you're single stock picking if you bought apple for instance in the previous example like i mentioned you're buying it at 120 or 130 it's Your fair value or what you think the stock should be worth is 155 or 160. Today it's at 170. Should you sell your stock? Right? That is a key question. Now, there's two sort of ways I look at it personally being in this space, seeing the behavioral aspects that come along with a decision like that. The first one is we we classify our portfolio into things that are long term holds. So things that were happy owning at fair value, like how Manish mentioned Charlie Munger's BYB buy. he's saying that he's happy with management. He's happy at this price. He could just keep holding it longer. That is something that if Apple reaches one fifty or one sixty, I probably will not sell Apple, right? Because it's it's still something that I'm. I don't. If I sell it, I'll probably regret. The chance of me regretting selling that is higher than me being happy i sold right so in in a case where it's a long term structural story something that you truly believe in and forget about keep fair values aside you don't sell a stock like that what you do sell is a trade it's 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 a trade kind of story right so you're saying okay today i'm buying walmart for instance walmart is i think undervalued it's i don't know what walmart stock price is sorry But if it's $7, for instance, you bought it at five, you think it's worth about eight. When it comes to eight, you need to have the discipline to be able to sell Walmart because it's reached what you've considered your fair value. Not riding, not thinking that, oh, it's reached eight, it's going to go to nine tomorrow. No, that is a wrong mentality. And that's a mistake most people do. Exactly. That is a big mistake.
0: Like in markets, everyone is optimistic almost all the time. And that is a human bias which you have to catch on to. If you have a target exit, so that you don't give in to the human bias of being optimistic or overconfident, which is what and which is what comes with you making money. By the way, in the market, right? The more you make money, the more your stock positions are right. The more you feel you can make it right again, or you could continue being right.
1: And, exactly. And then
0: GameStop, stop kind of situation happens, and the,
1: and you lose whatever gains you had. Exactly. And that's why it's very important. I, I'll tell you from a from somebody who does this on a daily basis. There's multiple times where we sold stocks, say, staying disciplined, staying like, okay, it's reached, it's reached our fair value. We've made the money we wanted to make on the stock. We're selling. We're done. And then the stock rallies twenty percent, and you know the team is obviously a little frustrated. There's a little bit of regret. There's a little bit of that. Money, money left on the table. <laughs> Money left on the table kind of story, but I always yeah. tell, I always reiterate that it's it's fine, right? Absolutely fine because th- this is a regret you're bound to have, and if it fell after you sold it, you think you're on top of the world. So stay disciplined. You you've reached the fair value of the stock. Whatever is driving it past the fair value of what you thought of is pure luck. Don't believe in luck. Okay, this is not, the the stock market is not a lottery. Don't believe in luck to get you past your fair value. If you've gotten to your fair value, anything above that is luck, right? So sell as soon as it reaches its fair value, unless it's a story like Apple, or it's a story like whatever name you, you pick out, right? Microsoft, Apple, Google, Amazon. These are names that personally, I think that they're going to be controlling the world for a very long time. And it's it in my opinion these are no-brainers to be holding in one's portfolio.
0: Yeah, I also guys understand one thing when we say that these are no-brainers to be holding their one portfolio. The reason why people invest in smaller companies is because those companies give you a chance to compound at maybe twenty percent per annum, whereas Amazon will give you ten percent per annum, which is also fab if you if you continue holding it. But the reason many of us do the research. And many of us put in, you know, hours behind analyzing companies purely because we would like a higher return than a no-brainer. So, so depends on, like if you were to pick up a company like Reliance, when, I, when I'm picking up Reliance, okay, it may not give me 100% compounded per annum, alright, but I know I'll make 10% on it per annum, I'm happy. But at the same time, I got smaller companies in my portfolio, all right, which I'm expecting for it to become a, a three-bagger or a four-bagger over a period of next four to five years. That's a bet I'm making. I could go wrong also. But understand that the reason people buy different companies is because people expect different returns on it, you know? So so as, as Jay was referring to having a target price, a trading mentality person should definitely have a target price on when to sell. And a passive investor, as Jay rightly said, is technically never. Guys, I just, I just want you to think for a moment, all right? This is, I, I just wanted to share with when Jay was say, saying this thing, all right? Never. Just imagine if you had a million dollars in your bank account right now. Would you be anxious? Like sometimes people are for losing their job. Would you be anxious about taking care of the medical expenses of any family member? Would you be anxious about saving money when you're planning a trip? you won't it's just the most amazing thing to have that portfolio grow so that you know at the back of your mind i have money and i'm not worried to stand up like you know sometimes people are even worried to say no to your boss or no to anyone for that matter a client purely because you got to impress upon people so that so that because there's not much money you know in your kitty but what if you had a million dollars in your kitty the beauty of letting your investments compound and technically never to sell may sound ridiculous to you. Why the hell am I investing if I'm not supposed to sell? It is the optionality it gives you to be able to take decisions, make choices, you know, without being worried about the future being impacted if you said no to your client. That's why That's invest true. investing for the long term, just, you know, there's, there's a lot of sense in it also when we say you don't need to sell. When I'm telling you I'm accumulating land for 20 years, you know, without having any indication, any intention to sell, there's a reason behind it. It gives me optionality 20 years later to do a lot of things I want to do. You know, we have Absolutely. we have people. I'm sure. Yeah, you. Yeah, do, do you know anyone who is working even at the age of 60, 65 because money is short because he's short on money for his family or himself? Do Do you know people like that?
1: I, I mean, to, to staying close to home, my 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 father, to be very frank, and my my father has you know always had. It, it, genetically i think there's there's a little bit of a role to play has always when i view when I, when i see I, and my father by the way is is a person who who lives very humbly but has throughout his life he including for me has tried to give give me the best possible life that i that i that i could have but because of that has fallen short of of accumulating enough savings to you know get to the post 65 post 70 stage of life right so there's still a little bit of worry in his head in and and i visualizing him right i'm the most prudent a lot anybody who knows me knows i live very comfortably i i love spending money but i have enough allocated towards saving towards my future that because I view a lot of people around me reaching that point and, and not having the safety net to to count on. And at 60, 65, 70, this is the time of your life where money should not be a worry for you. It should not be stressing you out. At 25, it's okay for money to stress you out. It's fine. Because you're young, you can afford that stress. But at 65, 70, just mentally think of your your mental health is so drained. You don't want to be exhausting it by thinking about financial, financial well-being, right? So that's Absolutely. just the way I think of it. it. It's it's something that at 45, forget 65, at 45, I want to be able to whatever, come what may, I love my job enough to do it till I'm 100. Okay, but that's a different story. But, At 45, I want to have the option of being able to say, Okay, actually, if I don't work tomorrow, I I can go to Nepal and live there comfortably and and make hay while the sun shines.
0: It's it's an amazing feeling, guys, to actually be able to have those choices. And I guess just like Jay, you know, I also have a lot of personal experiences. But that's what makes us prudent enough to have this conversation with you. Just in case, you know, investing for the long-term, you know, sounds ridiculous to many people sometimes, let your money compound without interruption. You know, it, it it is massive. It's going to be massively beneficial to you in time to come. You know, when when you're negotiating for a salary hike, when you're negotiating for an extended holiday, when, when you are not worried about, oh, I got to, you know, I, I can't do this because it's never been done. You know, like, I've heard amazing stories of people who are millionaires in their job, very successful, and have told, so, told their employers that I would work from a remote location, because everything's being done online now, and, those, and it's never been approved in a company, but for the first time, this guy became the first guy to be allowed to work remotely from South Korea or something like that. But if you hear these stories, you understand the reason the guy was able to negotiate those terms was because he's good and he's not insecure. So Absolutely. many people are good but insecure. You're toasted. So being good, okay, and secured requires your money to compound in time to come. That is why investing for the long term, you know, or or just since we will be running out of time, just in case you're saving for the for a target. Let's say some. Say, let's say someone from Bombay. I'm from Bombay, so just giving an example from Bombay. If you're looking at saving two crores to buy that house that you you know fancy owning, all right, in Lokanwala or Bandra or wherever, 2 crores may not come in Bandra, but let's say Lokanwala, The moment that investment portfolio hits 2 crores, all right, then maybe it makes sense for accomplishing your targeted goal to encash that portfolio, factoring in taxation, maybe you'll have to encash 2.2 crores of it, long-term tax, you know, uh, you'll have to pay. But then maybe you can encash the portfolio so that you can buy the house cash down. So many a times people invest with a targeted goal in mind. Okay, then also it makes sense to sell so that you can accomplish that targeted goal because you are saving for, for that purpose itself.
1: But very chances well, are so. very
0: high. Chances are very high, the returns you'll see in an equity portfolio, you might not want to take money out and, you know, buy in many targeted goals because the money compounds in a very handsome manner. Absolutely. Is there any targeted goal you're saving for?
1: Personally, I I'm, the way I the way I look at it is not is to have a pool of money that at forty-five, I can be living off the interest that I make on the money. So as I get to 45, I want to be able to tilt my portfolio more towards something that's gonna generate consistent a stream of income. So dividend-esque portfolios. I'm confident by the time I'm forty-five, Apple will up its dividend. It'll become more of a dividend team it'll pay back to its shareholders and and at 45 you know i want to be able to say okay if i have a million dollars in the bank and that's if i get a six percent or a five percent dividend from it that's about fifty thousand dollars a year i can i can at least live off that fifty thousand dollars a year you Uh, you won't be insecure
0: for sure with that kind of income fifty thousand dollars a year is decent amount of money to to have the space to do what you want to do
1: exactly and and that's why i i don't get caught up in the fact that i want to see when i'm investing and when 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 i'm building this portfolio it's not okay i want a million dollars at 45 at 45 i'm going to take all the million dollars out and, and that's my future no that's not the, that's not the story the story is reaching there and then figuring out how to generate my income from that million dollars right till then you're not touching the money after that, the question becomes, okay, if the million dollars is generating 5% or 6%, all this time, I've kept putting it back into the market. Now, I'm taking it out and using it to live. The million dollars is still going to be there. It's still there.
0: Absolutely. And and in all this period, you've accumulated enough skills to even know how to turn that million multifold in time to come, which is the most exciting part of investing. But I get yeah, You and I connect a lot only because my goal is the same which is the optionality to live my life the way I want exactly. You know, so you refer to 45 45 is just four years down the line for me I'm 41 now but point I'm trying to make is that when I am you know 50 all right or 55 for that matter that optionality I have to do what I want to do which is not what we see a lot of people at the age of you know 45 or 55 have. i've i've heard of cases where people have to extend their retirement from 60 to 70 because they didn't have enough enough savings investments all right uh, for family for themselves and also so so optionality is you know is, is is essential peaceful blissful so guys that art yeah
1: sorry just on one last note i i wanted to bring up you know i went to my cfa class yesterday and one of the our professors, both me and Manish are a common professor, Vishal. He was talking about how he he's, historically he has saved 55% of his income or 52% of his income is what he said.
0: Guys listening to this will be surprised know, he got three
1: kids. <laughs> he's three kids. That of yeah. 52%. Guys, that is phenomenal, you know. And and when he first put that fact out to the class, I said it's because you earn more than me. I mean, that is a very... And he immediately mentioned he's a teacher. Okay, as a teacher, he has managed to save 52% of his income raising three kids in Dubai. Okay, so for all you people that say Dubai is expensive, Dubai is it's difficult to save, here is a man who is raising three kids and is saving 52% of his income. A lot of people can, like he mentioned, a lot of people can turn to him and say, you, you don't live life that's that's a opinionated statement he could be living life the way he wants to and still manages to to save 52% of his income that's phenomenal like that's that's a jaw dropping amount of income that he has saved and really he's he's properly created a nest for his for, for the next 30 years or 40 years or 50 for his, years or
0: for his kids for himself one thing exactly. that I picked up from Vishal Jai was he's such a simple human being. Yeah? He, he lives a very simple life and he's at peace with it. You know, he, you'll never see him. Jay, you'll agree with me. You'll never see him wearing fancy clothes or if, uh, having anything fancy on him.
1: Is the but, definition of this. There's very few people I know. Especially in this, in the world of financial markets, you know, I live in DiFC, and I see people around me. You know, they don't, they don't actually invest in stocks. They just sell. They just yeah. sell products, and they, they all wear fancy about suits it. and fancy cars. And I wish, and a, I wish. And I there's could, a peer pressure,
0: and there's a peer pressure to live up to those standards because someone around you is that. I know someone who picked up a BMX6J just because he was promoted to a to a senior position and he had to upgrade his car because at that position, everyone has a fancy car and that's what people get caught up with. And that's why investing doesn't happen. But so good to see Vishal not caught
1: up in that. Absolutely. There's very few people. Actually, the people I look up to around me as role models. One is the analyst Sanat that that I used to work with. That you always talk about, yeah. I always talk about him. I learned so much from him, both him and Vishal. From, in terms of the world of financial markets, I've learned so much from them. But more than that, I've learned so much from them as human beings. Because these are people who, if you if you watch them live their lives, they make, they don't live an extravagant life at all, at all. Like the mentality that they have when they live their life, you know, they're happy, just here we are, when we go out, we think of going to a nice restaurant. I love eating out. I love going out to nice restaurants. There's no harm doing that. But these are people who who enjoy just having a cup of tea with their friends in, in the in the nights, you know? And it's just a very different Yeah, Jabal alure of Philly. Yeah. And I it's amazing. It's really
0: And and guys in investing just to just to extend what to Jay is saying you know a simple cup of tea with their friends to invest successfully will require you to watch out yourself in getting seduced into upgrading your life as your income grows when technically that income should go in more investing instead of upgrading your life because tomorrow when when something hits you hard there won't be there won't be any backup for you purely because you upgraded everything so fast so so Investing requires frugality also. I can
1: end on one last point. You know, Vishal was mentioning having buckets, right? So you've said, for instance, he gave an excellent example. Now, in your month of budgeting, let's say, for instance, you have decided, okay, my my fuel for this month is going to be 1% of my salary. So if you make 10,000 dirhams, you're saying that 100 dirhams of of my salary should be going to fuel, right? Tomorrow, when you make 20,000 dirhams, 1% is not 200 dirhams. What people do is instead of taking that extra 100 dirhams that should have gone into fuel, like you don't, just because your salary is double doesn't mean your, your fuel consumption doubles. So people take that extra 100 dirhams and find ways to spend it. Instead of taking that 100 dirhams and just putting that, into, putting that extra into a savings bucket, right? That decision does not happen. When people get a bonus, they think it's just a once-in-a-lifetime lottery that they've won and don't think mental, of it as... Mental, as mental accounting, accounting as we call it. Exactly. Have a mental, mental, accounting. Accounting. mental accounting. It's a brilliant phenomenon and I, I hope we've, we've spoken enough on the behavioral aspects of things and yeah, we've run out of time but it was as as always, Manish, a fantastic uh, Saturday, fantastic beginning absolutely. Saturday. Amazing, and amazing. It was a super session and
0: and guys, go ahead and invest is all I would say.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: and build that optionality for you. Okay, looking forward, looking forward to enjoy, you know, in times to come when you got a loaded bank account. So looking forward. So Jay, let's absolutely. call it, let's call it a call it a day for today and looking forward to see y'all see you Jay, again next Saturday
1: sounds good Manish sounds good
0: alright guys take care bye bye Jay. see ya
1: see you